It's almost like the business of theater is like a, a naughty secret. Well, or it's like it's like looked down on, right? Because we're all doing it for the dreams and for the art. And it's like, no, these are jobs. Welcome to Artist as Leader, where we explore the intersection of creativity and leadership. I'm Corey Madden, Executive Director of the Thomas S. Keenan Institute for the Arts at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. And I'm Rob Kramer, founder and CEO of Kramer Leadership. So, Corey, you interviewed a couple, and not a couple of people, but a couple in a relationship for this episode, right? Right. Jenny Beth Snyder and Aaron Gonzalez are two young, multi-talented theater artists who happen to be in love and are about to get married. And just last year, they founded the company Tech Without Tears, a full-service production management and technical direction company in New York that proudly states, creative problem solving is our jam. I love that. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Tech Without Tears has this incredible roster of clients, including the highly respected Rattlestick Playwrights Theater and Clubbed Thumb. I got to know Aaron because he was hired to be the touring production stage manager for And So We Walked. And I got the chance to spend about a week with him in Tunisia, and I learned that he had gone to the School of the Arts and that he had done all these incredible things as a kind of multi-hyphenate artist leader. And I thought he would be a great example of someone that we could um, interview. And then he told me that he founded his business with his partner, Jenny Beth. And I thought it was really a great idea for us to talk to the next generation of artist leaders. So I started by uh, talking to them about their artistic background and how it led them to found Tech Without Tears. Jenny Beth and Aaron spoke to me from their home in Brooklyn. You want to go first? Uh, Well, you know, we both, well, I'll just talk about me. I went to college as a director um, or focusing on directing. And really, actually, I went to college. It's, It's sort of funny how it ends up. I remember talking to the interviewer, I guess. Uh, and they were like, well, what do you want to do? I auditioned as an actor, which is hysterical to me now. And I was like, I don't know. I just know I want to be in the industry. And I think part of that has continued forward as like learning how to be a storyteller and how um, visual imagery and text and language and music and all the above come together to tell a singular story. Um, and then sort of, I also work with another development company where we try and help craft stories in that way or just help developing artists. And it kind of became this uh, melding of figuring out how those skill sets sort of work together. But I came from it first as a director background. And then I'll let Aaron jump in. And what did you go to school? Oh, and I went to New York University. <laughs> but Playwrights Rise and Theater School, which still actually plays a pretty big part in our current company, which is funny. But go ahead. Um, that's, uh, funnily enough too, that I, I, I went to North Carolina school of the arts, um, and I was in the drama school and started as an actor as well. And, um, midway through was given the opportunity to join the directing program there where I studied under Gerald Friedman. And a large part of the curriculum there was, uh, learning about every discipline. So we would always, we'd have to go to see dance shows, music shows. We'd have to go to uh, museums and choose art pieces and then write papers on all of them. We'd also have to take um, beginning level courses and set design, costume design, lighting design. Um, and uh, a, a part of that training, I think, when I got to New York, I decided to focus more on just picking up work in the theater community in any way that I could. And having had that experience at School of the Arts, I was able to just find little bits and 
ways to scrape together a career um, and learning on the job in basically every aspect. I did a, f- a few things that were more um, directorial. Um, I like was on the road with Billy Elliot as the resident director for a year for the final year of the national tour. Um, and when I got back to the city, didn't really feel like my personality naturally gravitated toward the, um, the process of getting work as a director. So I think I, I, I lent more on this side of the technical, uh, theater and had a hard realization of what is it that I actually like doing versus what I thought my definition of success was going to be as a teenager or as a undergrad. Well, and I'll say similarly, like, um, it's funny because my department, when you were going through college, you also had to design slash implement design for all of your colleagues. So we had to do everything also. And then this, and then I, on the other hand, still work my catering job, but more as a floor manager now. So it was sort of like hosting, running an event and like making sure that all flowed together. And then also creating and producing a theater work seemed to be the same skill set, just different players. And then it was also interesting because this developmental company that I work with called Fresh Ground Pepper, they got hired to go to Bonnaroo. And something I discovered was I enjoyed spending half of my time. I could spend half my time on a computer and doing Excel sheets and sorting that all out and scheduling. And I could also spend, and I needed to spend half of my time on site and in and in it and working with people and making stuff happen on the ground floor. So um, it's sort of these two skill sets where we sort of fell backwards into, I ended up um, production managing, I thought I was producing, but I was production managing a show that was next to Madison Square Garden because this uh, this one company had a writer who was a part of Fresh Ground Peppers play group who decided to produce one of these plays. And they they were known for finding found spaces. And it was in a loading dock at MSG, right? Yeah, it was a loading dock next to Madison Square Garden. And my friend, um, uh, Andrew Dicer was going to direct it. And I said, you have to bring someone on to, to manage this because this is going to be a huge situation. So we brought in 55,000 pounds worth of sand and electricians. And we had to bring in trash cans and they had a shoe check and we had food, all sorts of stuff. I had never done this before. So I was just like, yeah, we're going to, it's going to be fine. Um, and it was, I mean, it was, we all sort of, it was a wonderful and awful experience uh, <laughs> for a week, but that sort of led me to becoming known in our community as a production manager. And then the show in which Aaron and I met, was because uh, I was hired to stand in for production manager to bring in uh, scaffolding into a church that had uninsurable, irreplaceable stained glass windows, and they needed to build scaffolding on a rake, wow. like, which is like a um, a slanted <laughs> whatever. And um, my friend gave me Aaron's name as someone who would build scaffolding. So I was lost in how to actually do this. And he came in as a quote unquote TD type to help build the scaffolding in this church. And then it kept becoming more and more of a nightmare and that we got a, a, a generator outside and the neighbor was mad about it. So we had to build a box around the generator and then something else went wrong. And so I kept being like, 
Hey, can you come back? Hey, can you come back? So how we met is I hired him. <laughs> um, and, and then from then on, you know, well, we started dating. Uh, and then as a, as like a risky measure, I would get hired as a production manager. Um, and then I was like, Aaron, and we did not disclose that we were dating at the time. Can he be the, like, I would like to hire this technical director that I work with often. Um, and we started, we started working together. Yeah. Also, I never built scaffolding before. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like I had an erector set growing up, you know, like I could figure it out. It's not that complicated. You make it level, you put it together, it, you know, it all kind of fits fits together. If it doesn't fit, then, you know, it's wrong. Um, it's pretty, pretty standard. Anyway. I'm um, really glad I didn't know that at the time because we, anyway, <laughs> the whole cast was on that scaffolding. Yeah. I mean, I had, to, <laughs> I had to build it. So I knew it was stable. Like it wasn't going anywhere. Anyway. Um, how do you guys interact as leaders? I mean, how do you, how do you balance your, your, your two impulses as, as leaders? We, I mean, it's, I think it's very much the best idea wins. I mean, and it, there's a like, uh, and I was scared I mean, of, of like most men going into a relationship are of uh, the notion of radical honesty and like really just it, it, you, you ha- if you keep it inside, if you don't say it, if you, you know, without the level of communication, without communication at all, I mean, the relationship is doomed. Um, but that also helps with this, um, this partnership of production management and technical director is what we we do is we streamline that communication between somebody who's big picture budget management schedule and someone who's technically minded looking at all the ins and outs and the details and trying to find where the hiccups are going to be ahead of time that level of streamlined communication is something you don't find surprisingly ever um and it's always two different minds and then there's they only meet at meetings and you know the there's a lot of stuff that falls through the cracks that then just kind of gets swept up at uh, load-in or tech where, where when you don't have the time or resources to, you know, head things off at the pass. I also think it's mutual respect. Like, I know that I don't know how to build scaffolding, right? But I do know that I know the best timing to do stuff and the budget that's required and the 15 other things that surround the scaffolding build. So we just defer to one another based on... Uh, like who has the best idea, but also just a general respect for what each other specializes in. Or learning together. Also being able to say, I don't know. And then phoning a friend. And we 100% fight. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it just works out because we, uh, we also, because the project takes precedent, you know, it's like, what is, even if I'm grumpy at you for being right, uh, we're still going to do the thing that is better for the project. Are you able to turn it off when you go home? I mean, do you have some do you have some boundaries about when does work end? Madam Secretary. <laughs> um, That's the TV show. When Madam yeah. Secretary is on, you know. We and- also got a Bermuda light that's a neon sign. And one time I was starting to talk about work and he goes, The Bermuda sign is on. Means we're done. <laughs> <laughs> listening to how well they collaborated with one another, I asked them to share how they collaborate with their teams and clients. I mean, nonstop Uh, (laughs) from from the, from the jump. And there's a lot of things that, I mean, I, I know a little bit about everything, um, but not everything. (laughs) So, so I, I, we tend to work with people who specialize in things like, I mean, we, we have 
Joe D'Amelio, our, our master electrician, who when it when it I reach a certain threshold, I'm like, okay, now it's Joe. Uh, it's his world. We need to know how many uh, feet of cable we're going to need in order to accomplish said goal. The specific disciplines are really important, I think. So it's not to say that like we could do it all. No, you actually know where your 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 expertise ends and how and how to cast people effectively on a team. Exactly, and and I think that I mean we say this to a lot that like the hang is almost just as important. Um, so you know we like to socialize and enjoy working with people that enjoy working with us. There's a level of communication that happens when everyone's had a moment to like take a breath and debrief and air their grievances and then we're all just sort of friendly in the moment and then there are great ideas there's um some really creative problem solving there are things that you you know wouldn't think of if if you were just say like doing a gig well i would just also say that outside of like our internal team the best kinds of collaborations and this is where it gets tricky because oftentimes we get brought in And we don't get to choose which artists we're working with, like whose idea, whose dream are we bringing into fruition. Um, So I would say that our best form of collaboration is when um, we have a mutual understanding and gratitude between the designers we work with and uh, ourselves. Because if they let us in, it goes back to that building block of storytelling or what's the biggest point. Then we can all work towards like the greater goal as opposed to maintaining those sort of like lines in the sand of like, you just go make what I want and da da da, you know, like when we can have those like fuller conversations with the designers to know what their dreams are, then we can have this holistic approach to what is like tangible construction versus what is the dream versus how do we deal with that with our budget? I mean, I, I think that there's a goal that is, that is still a current goal of ours um, is to get in early enough. I mean, because in, in addition to trying uh to manifesting the uh, designs and dreams of the director and designers on any given project. The next step up is also manifesting the dreams and desires for the theater company as a whole through like the artistic director's vision. Like we, there's a lot of um, companies that we work with consistently and, and with every project we're, we're, we're discussing the project earlier and earlier and being a part of that as a more of a cohesive company through the vision of the artistic director. And I think that with that, level of, um, of communication at, at, at that stage, um, then we can help facilitate effectively uh, casting the uh, designers and directors that go best with the project based on the physical rea- realities and limitations of what the project is going to be. Well, and that's where I think this, the storytelling in terms of leadership comes from, which is just like, let us all as a team get on board with what is the goal and then we'll help you work backwards from the goal to figure out how to accomplish it. Um, which is why we try and encourage people letting us in on that vision because maybe your original solve for that vision isn't possible, but we can come with like an arsenal of 15 other possible solutions that can probably tell the story in the same way. Later in the interview, I ask them how they maintain their entrepreneurial energy. 
that's a constant debate. <laughs> um, just, just in the sense of like running a company, I've actually found it really difficult recently to be an active production manager and simultaneously trying to be a general manager of just like our books and insurance, you know, so all of that is pretty, uh, you can get bogged down in it. So we're still sort of working out the nitty gritty in that. However, coming at it as a company, we do feel like united we stand divided we fall so to speak which is just more that like as a company building a reputation and like if we could get larger knowing that that's the kind of atmosphere we bring i think we have a little more uh clout to sort of dictate the kind of working environment we believe we want to see in the world Mm -hmm. um One artist director once said, she was like, how can you expect somebody to bring their hand to a project and not their heart or their head and not their feet? So if we all are artists and we all are makers and we all are doers, um, how do we respectfully instill with some structure? Because like that's how things get done. Use the whole person. So it's sort of why we decide to keep the company alive is because we can keep sort of bringing that idea and those people together and together and sort of, I don't know. And we didn't see you know, at least not on the technical or the production side of things, anyone else who was, who was fulfilling that need. Um, and it was clear from talking with the, you know, our colleagues that were in these roles that this is something that people would like to have is a, you know, a place or a home or, or someone or some bodies that they can trust to, to work with that are going to keep in mind the fact that they are also artists and not just technicians. Yeah. I also I also think like something that I really think is true of leadership is that particularly because we were new and young starting out in it, but I will stick to it, is that like I'm not afraid to grab things out of a truck, nor is Aaron. You know, like we're not like we go first. So we're willing to do it if you guys are willing to do it. You know, like and I think that we sort of build up a trust amongst our friends that like if you if I hire you for a gig. I'm going to protect you from whatever company, like I'm going to negotiate your fees. I'm going to make sure your time is appreciated. Um, so it's sort of a way to be able to stand in the gap. If I keep at, if you keep working for us and with us, then you know what kind of job you're going to get. And you, you're going to trust that if something's going haywire, we're able to sort of stand up for the people that we work for. If it becomes that kind of situation, hopefully we're never there anymore. But it's kind of that <laughs> that part where it's like, yeah, we're going to ask you to do a lot and do some crazy nonsense, but like we'll be there with you and buy the beer afterward, you know. As we talked more in depth about the steep learning curve they faced founding a new company, I asked them what kind of mentorship or support they would particularly have appreciated tax accountants management yeah the business side (laughs) yeah the business side of anything is i mean there's there there's any of the kind of learn it yourself tracks are are geared toward a very specific uh well i guess capitalistic like what different kind of business it's it's harder to find a, a a teaching moment or a learning moment that's geared toward this this style, I guess, so like it, it specifically in the theater, mm-hmm. it, it's like it's almost like the business of theater is like a, a naughty secret. Well, or it's like it's like looked down on, right? Because we're all doing it for the dreams and for the art, and it's like no, these are jobs. Like people, 
I know that people don't pay for theater the way that they should, and that's definitely a problem. And then you also want to, it's like our bit, one of our biggest hurdles, right, as a small company, asking people to climb on ladders and use saws is workers' comp. So then how do you develop your own payroll if it's like $22,000 a year, which is possible? I don't know. It just, those kinds of hurdles that are just truly practical hurdles um, are ones we're willing to tackle, but I'm like afraid we've messed it all up. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know. Finally, I asked them what advice they wish they'd received in their training to help them become better artist leaders. I, I mean, I, I guess it, I don't know what to keep coming back to the same point, but I, I wish that um, someone had told me not to be afraid of a, a ever evolving definition of success, um, because I was I was so so held so hard onto the idea of you know what I thought I wanted to be as a 17 year old that sent me to art school that then out of art school, you know, changed, but I was still hesitant to change with it. Um, I really, I really just wish that I had evolved skills earlier um, that led that things that were like itching things that were poking at me to to pay attention to them, things about myself, about my, my personal truths, um, about my, my artistic truths, my like natural ways of being that didn't fit with this outside influence of what I should be doing or what success should look like. I think my mind would have simply be, and it's something that like I knew then, but it, it could have been hit home more is that it's okay. If not, everybody likes you. <laughs> Like to just, you know, stand, stand your ground on ideas and don't need to be a chameleon. And, um, cause a lot, a lot of like my nature is having to make decisions and have strong opinions and, you know, being raised as a girl in the South, uh, that's not as much encouraged. So I wish I would have learned that earlier. Wow. They're a riot, Corey. They have so much energy and, uh, you can tell they're so deeply connected and um, just passionate about what they're working and working on and doing. Uh, the thing that really jumped out at me, a lot of things did, but their willingness to go out first and set an example, you know, they'll roll up their sleeves and do everything and, and sort of demonstrate to the people that are around them that they're, they're fully capable and willing to jump in, um, which I, I think is important for modeling behavior uh, to others. And then the other big one was obviously the strength of their partnership. What, what did you notice as you spoke to them about their partnership? Well, I think that they just have a rapport with each other, which is so evident, but it's based on this kind of mutual respect for each other's creative abilities. They sort of seem to know deeply what the other person is good at and give them the opportunity to um, shine in that area. And then at the same time, how they can back each other up in certain situations. They talked about not having ego, you know, letting the best idea be the one that wins, you know, not feeling like one person has to own um, all the decisions in one area. I thought that was also a really great example of it. And then I think that they also see themselves as a partnered artists. I think there's so many people in tech positions who kind of draw a line between, you know, management and and artists. And in this case, because they were trained as artists and they really have this wide ranging interest, they see their tech 
support of artists as being part of the creative process. And in fact, they're really advocating that they be at the table really early in the process. And I think that that's a great example of their visionary leadership. I love how they you know, talked about grounding and deciding their decisions based on who has the best idea. Um, they clearly work from a place of mutual respect and, and learning and growing together. So it's just infectious, their partnership. It's got to influence the others that are around them when they're working, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. There was a really a, one quote that really caught my attention that Aaron said, uh, kind of going back to what you noted about having the wide range of skills and interests. And I know part of their training helped them uh, sort of ground that. But uh, Aaron said, I wish that someone had told me not to be afraid of an ever evolving definition of success. Yeah. This I mean, that's marvelous. just such a wonderful, really. Yeah. I think that he's such an impressive, um, you know, young artist leader. I think that they're going to go many places in the future. Yeah, they seem like a fantastic team. Thanks for introducing us to them, Corey. Absolutely. You can also access this interview and learn more about Aaron and Jenny Beth at www.uncsa.edu slash artist as leader. If you admire an artist leader you'd love for us to profile, please let us know by finding us on Facebook at Keenan Institute for the Arts. This podcast is produced and edited by Pierre Carlo Talenti. Our music is by the Dimes. I'm Rob Kramer. And I'm Corey Madden. Thanks for listening.